You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to the way station. To ensure traveler safety and comfort, please deposit your baggage at the door. The way station encourages open discussions. All stories are also accepted. Rest from your journey through life. Enjoy your stay and please come again. Hello and welcome back to The Way Station. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I'm your other host, Megan. And this time you said your name. I'm so proud of you. Sometimes you just grunt. Eh. <laughs> well, we are back. And the last show that we did uh, was live at Motor City. That was mm, like a month ago now. Got it. Yeah. Two weeks. It's only so been really two weeks. Th- uh, maybe three. I was about to say it seems longer than that. It, maybe f- it has to be f- three or four. It was the One. 20th. Two, three weeks. Three weeks. weeks. It feels like longer. It does. God. Because we're so busy. (laughs) I'm like, oh, that was ages ago. Um, Yeah, so we did our last show um, with Tom Hutchinson there. It was amazing. It had a lot of fun. The spider genocide episode, yeah. Yeah, and you uh, showed me something earlier. (laughs) And why don't you share the story? A a friend of mine was sitting down to eat his lunch, and and he fired up your episode from uh, Motor City Comic Con. And he was like, and apparently it was full of spiders. And he's like, and now I can't eat my lunch because (laughs) spiders creep him out. And we talked about spider genocide. While he was eating? Yeah. Apparently it creeped him out. <laughs> wow. Um, and he's a cook, so it's not like he has a uh, – I got nothing. That's weird. Well, you know, I apologize to anyone. So sorry, sorry about that, Matt. Not yeah, I, I apologize to anyone who may have been traumatized by the, the spider talk on our, our last episode. But I'm not I, apologizing. I thought it was a lot of fun. That was amazing. Yeah, I had a really good time. And uh, Tom has uh, since talked to me, and he's got some more stories about his mother that I'm, uh, that I'm looking forward to hearing. Oh, goodness. So uh, I don't know if we'll have him back on the show or if that's just going to be a behind-the-scenes thing. But I'll let you guys know yeah. if you're interested. Yeah. So we are back in the studio in beautiful Royal Oak, Michigan, here at Podcast Detroit. That's been forever. I know. We have not been in the studio. F- Over a month. Oh Well, yeah. It's, it's been like a month and a half. Yeah. Because... Megan got sick. And even before that, we, we were just postponing it because you were out of town and all that other good stuff. And stuff just happens. It's convention Sorry. season. That I'll apologize for. It's rabbit season. <laughs> it, well, it's kind <laughs> of the season. same thing. It's, it's like uh, as soon as you can go out and hunt deer, how like all the men just like flee to go hunt deer. Uh, convention season is very similar for anybody who works in, you know, as an artist, a comic book writer, uh, anything artistic. Like yeah. you're kind of, if you're on the con circuit, you just kind of fly away. Yes. You disappear <laughs> for a while. And then all of a sudden you reappear. And I'm like, oh, hey, how have you been, friend? <laughs> <laughs> I've been great. Thank you. <laughs> um, and the weekend actually following Motor City, I went up to Cherry Capital Comic Con, which was, was my second year there. And it was fantastic. I had so much fun. It was just as fun as the first year, if not more fun. Then again, I was kind of a hotel room body, you know, instead of like a home body. Like I didn't go out Saturday night when they did the karaoke competition. I just ate a cheeseburger in bed and went to sleep, which seems to be like a that theme with me. sounds really amazing right now. I know, right? <laughs> I kind of want a cheeseburger and, and a nap. in bed. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I've been wanting a nap since I woke up, so that's nothing new. Well, you had your brother's graduation. I did. Today. Today he graduated class of 2017 from Stevenson High School. And Woo! We're proud of him, but he doesn't seem to care. He's just like, eh. <laughs> He's like me, eh. 
was whatever. It's a thing. I don't know. I mean, I think graduating is kind of a big deal, but I mean, then again, it's just like, congratulations, you did what you you're were supposed to do. Exactly like you were that, and you're to. one step closer to being in, in, in that much more in debt for the rest of your life. <laughs> Once you hit that college, congratulations. There's no looking back. I still have college debt. I will probably, I always find a way to not pay them. Because <laughs> <Deferment>. <laughs> I, just, I always find a way to not pay You know, I, well, it, because like they were asking me for like a ridiculous amount of money for like a monthly payment. I'm like, do you know how much money I make an hour? Because maybe if you did, yeah. you would see how ridiculous I the amount of money you're asking for. I just want to talk to them. Be like, okay, you went to college, right? And now you're hunting me for my money. Would that be the great irony if the people that they had calling you did not go to college? I, I would probably want I probably want to murder them. Like, really, this is what you did with your life? Like, I'm actually trying to do something, and you're coming after me for trying to do something, and you haven't done anything your, yourself. Except like, for you being can't, a telemarketer? You can't, you can't talk to me. You can't. You would have no ground to stand on. At all. Yeah, and well, U of M constantly sends me, like, these alumni things, and they want me to, like, give them money to join. I've never understood that. I still owe you thousands of dollars, bro. Like, you don't want that money from me because you're not going to get it to pay for my tuition then. I mean, and plus, I don't – why would I go back unless I was going back for my master's or something? It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I just – I never understood the you got all my money for going there – why would I give you more money after I'm exactly gone? like I never I never understood that whole hit you up for alumni donation. Just, no, no, no. Even if I don't pay you, I'm still an alumni. Like it doesn't take away my degree right. or what I am. So right. just because I don't want to <laughs> hang out at your lame parties, <laughs> you know, hey, I know you paid to go here, but, you know, if you want to donate, we'll give you this cool name. <laughs> we'll put your name on a, on a plaque. In the there you go on a, a, on a brick yeah. that people will uh, throw up on, spit gum out on, never know that your name's there because nobody looks down and goes, "Oh man, let's read the names on all these bricks." And or e- even if they do look down, they're really like, "Who the hell is this? Who even cares?" What moron gave money? Exactly. To this <laughs> <laughs> Bad life decisions. <laughs> I think we're all guilty of those. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So C four was great, but now I am in uh, hiatus from conventions until the end of July, which is amazing. Uh, so hopefully I'll actually be able to hang out with you, Megan, one of these days soon. If you ever want to like leave your cave, good luck, or invite me into your cave, because sometimes you just don't want anybody to come into your cave. I really don't. I still don't. It's it's a part of being depressed and then having anxiety. You just kind of shelter yourself away from things, and then you just don't want to. You're worried about too much, so you just like. Ehh. I I totally get it. So hence why I don't just show up like the Kool Aid Man and bust through your oh, front yeah. door. <laughs> That, Megan was like, she I, shanked oh me my with God. something. If that happened, I would probably just run away. Like, oh my, I wouldn't know how to react. I'd be like, I gotta go. <laughs> and just, Tom would just be sitting on the couch like, hey, like, hey what's up? <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's basically what happened um, a couple of weekends ago. We had a bonfire and, I, and, and Tom basically invited Everybody, which you couldn't attend because I think you were gone, which is fine. But he like he invited Jake and Rob and Melissa, all like of our, our friends, like our, our group closest of friends, our core friends yeah. that we hang out with. And I told Tom, I was like, I really don't want people over. I really don't. He's like, Oh, okay. But that oh, okay, just meant like 
tough shit. People are coming over. And I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, oh, dude, seriously? I guess, I, I guess. And then um, actually a coworker showed up, Sarah. Sarah showed up and cool. her and her um, friend showed up. Uh, <laughs> Megan just did Air finger quotes. quotes. Sorry. Sorry. Yes, I did. Um, so I think that means that this I chick I might be banging I this friend. You know what? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. But she's, she's in the dating mode. So she's trying to find her significant other. She's currently in that process. So <laughs> I'm not judging. Do what you do. That's Bang not, 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 some dudes, yeah. whatever. Or ladies, whatever you're into. Hell yeah. Not a big knock deal. Knock yourself out. But um, they come over and then eventually, like, I'm just sitting there like, okay, when is everybody leaving? <laughs> like the entire time. <laughs> Did you ask people that? Like, No, I didn't because <laughs> I'm not th- – I can't even say I'm not that mean. I was going to say, I've because seen you do it. I was so about to say I've done lie. it before. But <laughs> I didn't want to be I didn't want to be rude because I knew Tom wanted people to come over. Needless to say, I was just like, eventually I'm like, okay, look, I'm tired. I want to go to bed. You guys can stay here and have fun, but I want to go inside. But I'm out. Exactly. And then that basically just like disbanded the whole entire little party slash bonfire and everybody went home and I was happy to lay in my bed and turn everybody on my went television and, and it was good yes but I felt really bad because you know our friends are like oh did you have a good time I was like yeah yeah I did and then when everybody left I looked at Tom I was like don't ever do that to me again like that is the last thing I wanted to do like I did not want anybody over I hate you right now letting you know and i don't hate my friends i really don't but when you're in that mode and you don't want to chill with people and you tell your significant other i don't want to chill with people but you still invite people over you're a douche i kind of agree with you on that i think that's kind of uh like if you if you want to do something then you can meet them like we we live in wyandotte so there's tons of places to go exactly hang out get food um you know that are a lot of fun and our friends like hanging out there so you take them out yeah, I mean, that's what I or would do. go over somebody else's house and leave me there. Like I was perfectly fine with being by myself. I just didn't want to interact with other people because when, again, when you don't feel good or when you're not up to it, people start asking you questions, and then you get, or at least I do, I get pissed because I don't want to explain myself. Because then you have to explain yourself five different times. Well, why? And then you have to explain why you're explaining yourself. And it gets into a big deal. And then, you know, I just want to murder everybody. And that's not. That I can't even say that's not pretty who quickly. I want to be. To murder. Yeah. It did. It did. <laughs> because that's how I feel. Like, <laughs> well, see, and that's why I'm glad that we have the friendship that we have. Because I can, you know, not see or talk to you for like weeks. And then we just pick up, you know. Yeah. Wherever we left off. But, and but that's how friendship works or is it, supposed it to work. It, it, that's how it should work. It's how it should work. But we all know that is not the case. No. Because, yeah, there are always high-maintenance friends. Uh, there are. We all have those. We do. <laughs> I'm not naming any names. No. Because that's mean. But I kind of want to. But I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <coughs> it's Megan. No, what? I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's me. I'm so high-maintenance. <laughs> When I text her and then she doesn't text me back for like three days. Or or like, or when she texts me and I send her a thumbs up, a bunch of emojis. 
Like she's like, hey, I hope you read that stuff tomorrow. And I was like, yep, z z z with a little pizza emoticon, and uh, no, a skull face, then a pizza emoticon. It's that's how my conversation went with her because I was just like. I can't really respond at the moment. And even though I kind of want to respond, I don't really want to say anything because I don't know what to say. So just em- Okay, emojis. so last night I messaged her and I said, <laughs> don't forget to read the comics. Love you. She sends me a thumbs up and a heart. And then I send her a nerd, a clown, and four glasses of wine because I had been drinking wine. So I Which just wanted- I really got. Yeah, I wanted to make sure that it was clear. Oh, I got that. That I had drank some wine. And then she sends me back three Aziz, a skull, and pizza. And I said, Pizza after you're dead? And then this is when I I finally respond. Yeah, with words. With words. Yes, because dead people love pizza as offerings. Yes. And that was our whole interaction. Yeah. (laughs) And here I am today. We're finally talking to each other. Face to face with words. <laughs> that's how friendship works, guys. If yep. you didn't know, that's how friendship works. It is. <laughs> I'm so glad that we now have the ability to not talk on the phone with people. Like, if we can still communicate without talking on the phone. I mean, it's it's kind of a lost art, and sometimes you have to – it makes more sense to have a conversation – you know, over texting because it's going to be like an involved conversation. Yeah. And it's easier to get your point across through, you know, actual voice to voice communication. Yes. But other than that, man, like I just text or use Facebook Messenger for everything. Yep. But it it's it's more convenient because I can do one, two, three, send you like I'm thinking of a question right now. And I know myself if I don't ask the question, I'll forget it and then it'll float away. And it might come back, but it might not. Who knows? But for me to just quickly send you that text and then get along with whatever I'm doing is so much easier than having to try and like, hey, you remind me to remind myself that I need to remind this person of reminding me to do something. <laughs> That's That was very – That sounds overly that, – that was like a Rube Goldberg You're welcome. explanation. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was very confusing. <laughs> but it, it's so much easier to just, hey, Stephanie, do you want to – Get drinks afterwards. Shit. Let's do a thing. Exactly. (laughs) Because that was the question that I wanted to ask you, but I wanted you to remind me to remind you to remind me to tell you. Are you talking about tonight after the show? No, I was just figuratively. Oh, okay. I was like, what? Yeah, no. Like, what do you? I mean, unless you you want to, I don't care. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like you got your plans. I'm, I'm going home and probably just. Playing video games and minding my own damn business as usual. We live these fantastically interesting lives. Yes. I'm sure you guys all know this by now. Megan has a job. Yes. So that's very important. Overwhelming. We're, we're, we're 20 minutes in and we have not yet heard about Megan's job. I think I know. Might be a new way, it might be a new way station record. Oh, I think it is. <laughs> I really think it is. Because I don't even think we mentioned it last time unless we did and it was like later on. The last well, show? was a live show. So like from a con. Usually, yeah. Usually when we do those, we're like laser focused on. I was not laser focused. I was, as usual, at a con. I'm like, ooh, there's that person. Ooh, there's that person. Yes. You were furry focused. I was. Yes, I was. I guess I was. (laughs) So, yeah, life has been, uh, it's been kind of crazy the last few weeks. But, you know, we're here now. And we're going to be back in two weeks, like back to our normal schedule again, finally. Uh, So, for those, you know, two or three people that might wait to listen to our live shows, uh, we will be back in two weeks. And we have our guest already booked and everything's 
planned. It's going to be amazing. But as for today, um, we do have a lot going on. We are going to be joined at 6 o'clock by Stephen Pinella, who has written Faith Fallon, which is published by Insane Comics. So that's going to be happening uh, well after the break at 6 o'clock. So I can't so whenever right we get six. there. Yeah. Well, whenever we get there. It'll happen. It will. If we started a little late, but we're still stopping at 7. Just hold on to your knickers. You'll be okay. <laughs> knickers? Mm. You know, I said that to my mom today. Oh, my God. My mom was in the car with me today. That was fun. That sounds like a volcano erupting on top of another volcano. <laughs> Basically. That's like a really bad idea. It, it was kind of funny, but it kind of wasn't. Because at one point, she's like, go, go, go. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, so you were driving. <laughs> yes, yes. I was driving. Oh, my God. Driving with your mom is the worst. Or like a parent, period. Yes. Because they they think that you're going to kill them. Yes. They, well, they think, forget you're not 16. Right. And learning how to drive. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, I have been driving for a really long time. And out of anybody in my family, I'm the only one who oh has not gosh. gotten into an accident. It was funny because so, she was trying to she was trying to describe to me how to do a Michigan <laughs> How to do a Michigan left? And I'm just like, Ma, I got this. Because she's like, you're going to do this little roundabout. I'm like, this is not even a roundabout. Shh. Do you even know? Like, a roundabout is a whole other thing. Exactly. And they have them up in Traverse City. And they have them. Well, they have them around here well, Campus yeah. Martius is a roundabout. Marcius. But you they know. even have them out where we are in, or out where they are in Sterling Heights. But my thing is, it was literally just a Michigan U-turn. Just the, the, okay, the so, Michigan left. No, which is amazing because like, I grew up in uh, New Hampshire. And so and, – and traffic circles, which is what – are everywhere there. And so when they started putting them out here, I was floored by how like dumbfounded people were by them. <laughs> what the fuck is They that? still confuse people. Like people like full-on stop and yes. sit there and wait for something to happen before they go. I'm like that's, that's not how that works. That's not <laughs> how it works. Me in a roundabout, it's like, it's, it's like automatic. When I first – when I first saw a roundabout, I was a little like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do because I've never seen one before. But as soon as I went through it, I was like, oh, this shit is easy, way more easier than a stop or like a, a, a stoplight. Right. That is it's so much more convenient. Like a lot of traffic can go through if you know what you're doing. Now, what I hate is how confusing like – Grandma and Grandpa know how to work this thing better than th- this person, like to my left, who's just sitting there, like looking. What do I do? I know you've been driving longer than me. What the hell? Well, we <laughs> live in a state where I'm convinced they don't teach uh, merging mm-hmm. in driver's ed. Like the zipper is the easiest thing on the planet. Oh my god! How do you not know how to zipper? Amen. I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't. Like it drives me nuts at least once a day. Or what I hate uh, the merging, but there's um, on to North Line. If you're going across North Line, um, or not across North Line, if you're going across Fort Street on North Line, you can literally there's two lanes, and after you go down those two lanes, it merges into one. You don't know how many people sit in that one lane, and this the 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 one to your right, your right lane is just free. I'm like. People, do you not know that you could get into the right lane and then when you cross Fort Street onto North Line, you just put on your blinker and get over. And you, you zipper in. Yeah. That's how that works. Exactly. Yeah. 
Like, people are just like, I don't know what to do. And then, or you get the people who get mad because you're doing what you're supposed to do. Right. That's what I don't understand either. Like, how are you getting pissed off yeah, at how me are you because blowing, I'm doing the right thing? Yeah, how are you blowing your horn at me because I understand how this road thing works? Like, they're looking at you all baffled, like, ah, oh, how dare you get cut in front of me? How dare you have made that left turn from a left I turn can't. lane? I, I can't. Just like, we all <laughs> But this is, this is another part of why I have anxiety and why I hate people because they're stupid. And I get I do stupid stuff, too. I say and do a lot of stupid stuff, too. Everybody has their stupid moment. But I it swear. you're stupid in general. No, but I, I just generally hate people and their stupid decisions sometimes. I, I don't know. I guess it's offensive. I don't whatever. No, but it's a thing. It is. It is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that that's my story. I'm, I'm, I, this is another reason why I don't like to drive because of the fact that people just make stupid decisions. Because there are other people. Oh, and that they're trying to kill me. I have now officially figured out that if I ever die, that it's going to be in a car. Because of the amount of people that like to turn in front of me or stop and break for no reason. The other one that I wish that they would teach people is just because you turn your turn signal on doesn't mean that I'm going to slam on my brakes in order for you to get over. Like my parents ever told me, speed up or slow down. Yeah. It, it, I, I, I never – like I don't understand. Or people that like don't even turn their head to look when they want to come over. Because I think it was like, uh, what was it, three times? Friday, just yesterday, three times I had somebody damn near hit my car mm-hmm. because they, actually, they didn't even turn their head when they were changing lanes. I, I, I almost did it today, but it was like one of those things where I looked, I didn't see anything, I, and I had my blinker on, and I looked again one more time, and I saw this gold minivan just like zoom past me and I like was like what the fuck where'd you come from yeah and then I you know quickly get back over so I don't ram into them and then they zoom past me and I got right back over and I looked at my brother I was like that is how you don't drive yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> it, it's it was scary um when I got into my car accident it was because a guy was really impatient. There was literally nobody behind me and he wanted to cut across Northline. Then like literally two weeks after – no, the week I uh, – probably the day of that I got my car, um, there was an older guy who, again, if he would have waited after me, he would have been fine. But he decided after one car, there was – honestly, there wasn't enough space but – he decided to go anyway. He's like, oh, I'm just going to hurry up and do my left turn. And I slammed on my brake. I literally think the world is just out to kill me with people turning and trying to go in front of me. I'm going to have a head-on collision and I'm going to get decapitated. Well, that's a really sunshiny, positive attitude. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and this is how I'm going to die. Yep. And if it if it doesn't, then that that's that's great. But that that's how I foresee myself. Uh, Megan, dying. I'll protect you. Okay. Thanks. I'll use my... X-Men powers and I'll put you in a bubble and you'll be oh, safe forever. Okay. Thanks. I know, right? Good you, friends do that Are you going to nightcrawler me out of the way? Oh my <laughs> god. If I could I mean I do speak some German so I feel like I could be oh a my male gosh. nightcrawler. You could be Kurt. It, it could be fine. Right now we're going to take a quick break <laughs> on that note and we'll be back in a few minutes and we're going to talk uh, some weird things that we've seen in the news this week. Hello. 
We're back. Sorry, I had a pretzel in my mouth. <laughs> we were so prepared for that. No, I really wasn't. I was like, ah, ah, ah. I know. I don't have my headphones on, so I just like could hear some peripheral music, and I'm like, am I supposed to talk now? Now? How about now? Now? Wait, 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 wait for it. Wait. Oh, wait, now? Yeah, now we're supposed to talk. Oh, okay. So, um, well, we we would be remiss if we did not start our, you know, what's going on this week in the world with. Uh, Adam West, who everybody pretty much knows from his uh, being Batman on the series. If you didn't know, I'm highly disappointed in you. Highly. A lot of people know him from Family Guy. I mean, it's a, it's a generational thing. Oh, God, well, yeah. come on, yeah. But he, and he's, he was hilarious on Family Guy. Like, one of the things that I loved about him is that he finally embraced the fact that, okay, Everybody this sees is me who as I Batman. Yeah. I'm going to be this goofy, like, lovable dude. And he went on that show and he just was so spacey and ridiculous and so funny. As it was the mayor impressive. of Quahog? Quahog. Quahog. Thank you. Quahog. Quahog. We can call it whatever we well, want. Well, the giant clams are Quahogs. Well, they pronounce it Quahog. Dude, New England is weird about nonsense like that. They they do the syllabolum fossis thing, and it's just weird. The what? Syllabolum fossis. (laughs) You just wanted to hear it again, didn't you? That's all I want. (laughs) It looks Uh, like Worcestershire, but it's Worcester. But it's it's Worcestershire. No, nah, it's Worcester. I say Worcestershire. I call it Worcestershire because it's more fun to say it like it's that. It's Bugs Bunny. The Worcestershire. Basically, call it what you will. Call it what you will. But yeah, you're right. I mean, people know Adam West. Definitely, it's a generational gap, I think. A lot of people know him from Family Guy. He's done other work in between Batman and Family Guy, obviously. But because he was typecast as Batman... Uh, it was really difficult for him to find work because people were leery about hiring him because it's like, oh, everybody knows you from Batman. You're Batman. Well, it's like George Reeves, you know, the whole Superman thing. I mean, that's right. You know, yeah. And, and, and although Adam West handled it a lot better than George Reeves did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Understatement no, of the year. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, 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 he. I mean, I grew up watching him as Batman. I mean, that was the thing. Right. And I mean, luckily, uh, with his I, underwear outside his clothes, yeah, <laughs> so sexy, like Captain Underpants, which hey, I, I which love is, that. Apparently, that it's also a movie now. It I is. know, I want to see it. I don't. I'm a dork. I really want to see. It. I, I really don't. I read the books when I was younger, and I, I don't. I'm good. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, he, he's, he's an icon. I mean, he's. he's kind of a staple, uh, especially for like the nerd community. I feel like. Oh God, yeah. Uh, I feel, well, he was at Comic-Con a couple years ago with Burt Ward. Yes, yes, he was. And I was really disappointed because I got to see him physically in person. But, you but didn't because, we were, because we were at the con, I didn't actually get to meet him. And I was highly disappointed. But at the same time, I've heard so many opinions about actually meeting him. Like some people had, I guess, mixed reviews. Not mixed reviews, but mixed feelings about – Meeting him in person versus him just well, being that celebrity. It, you know? The thing is, is that the idea that we have of people that we've never met of celebrities is going to be you're going to be disappointed because we imagine them to be way more than they're just human beings and they have bad no, days and they have quirks. I get and they it. Have all of that. I do, but I guess it's kind of like I've grown up to know even if you're having a bad day, you kind of just fake it. Until 
again, and this is even school, fake it until you make it. But fake it until the end of the day and then you can go and have a shitty day. It's just like me (laughs) hanging out with my friends. Have a shitty day. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like me hanging out with my friends. Right. Oh, you hang, hey, you I'm happy out to the, see you. And yeah, then you, you hang leave, out at the bonfire until you wanna... you're ready to go to your room. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, especially when you're dealing with fans and you being a celebrity. Who are I, paying an exorbitant amount of ex- money to see you. Exactly. I would. I honestly feel like if that's the thing, act like you're happy to be there. Heck, the positivity sometimes, sometimes being around, and I'm not saying it works all the time because I am the poster child of not liking the positive energy and just wanting to shift back into my room. Um, (laughs) Just sometimes being around that positive energy and that loving energy, it just, it makes you feel better sometimes, sometimes, but Hey, I honestly, it's, it's devastating. And I kind of did, I, I, I've never got a chance to meet him, which I regret not doing now because he was at Motor City. He was here. But at the same time, I'm kind of glad I didn't. I, I admired from a distance. Well, and it's they say, like, you know, sometimes it's better not to meet your heroes. Yep. And, and and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, it, I, I don't know him. Obviously, I've never met him. Um, he... Made me laugh. I thought he was a really funny dude, and I appreciated what he did um, with the Batman series and what he did with Family Guy and some of the other roles that he's been in. And you know, definitely, it it is. When he was eighty-eight, it's not like he, you know, was gone too soon. No, no, no. no. Yeah, yeah. He lived a really he had a good life, long life. He, you know. He he did a lot more with his life than most of us do. Yeah. So it's not like one of those things where like we've been losing all these like you know musicians and actors and they're yep. like in their forties or fifties or you know whatever and they're super young and you're like what's going on? Unfortunately, you know he had leukemia, which I didn't know about yeah. Um, yeah. until this article came out this morning. You know that he had passed away, but apparently it was a very short uh, bout. So like he probably didn't have. A yeah. chance, like, to have his PR team put anything out or whatever. Um, it's just, you know, it is what it is. It's it's sad, and I know that there's um, a great feeling of loss. Um, just from looking at my Facebook and my friends' walls, everybody is, you know, definitely I didn't, feeling it I didn't today. want to believe it at first. At first, I was just like, no, no, no. And then I go in and I start opening the article. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, it hit me. I wanted to start crying. I really wanted – I wanted to start crying because I was like, it's 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 Batman. Nobody, you don't want to see your childhood, I guess, icon, favorite person. You don't want to see them pass away. I, I did love the meme that was floating around. That was that was an actual quote from him uh, where he said, I, I never had to say I'm Batman because I just shoot up and showed up and people knew who the hell I was. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. It's like now like in the movies, I'm Batman. Right, I'm Batman. It's like – I couldn't tell by your outfit. (laughs) Really? You don't say. (laughs) Sort of like, you know, dear Iggy Pop, if you have to tell people that you're a real wild one, you may not be. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it is a sad day for our our nerd friends, uh, people around the world. And, you know, we just wanted to make sure that we we spoke. I know. Megan loves her some Batman. All the Batman. I'm still like... Just, it'll be okay. I don't know if it's just the congestion or if it's really like if I really want to cry, but it, we're just going to act like it's the congestion. 
It, it's okay to be sad. It's a thing. It's it's an emotion. People feel it. Oh, is that what that was? <laughs> Megan's like, I've never felt sad in my life. Everything's great. <laughs> Why is there a moth flying around in here? Oh, hi. I don't Little know. Guy. Oh, my God. I'm going to open my mouth, and this moth is going to fly right <laughs> don't in kill it. it. Don't kill it. I swear, Dave, if you kill it. Well, just, you know what? I'm going to go open the studio door for a second. We'll okay. see what happens. I don't think there's anybody else in, yeah, there's nobody else recording that. Now, so. Or get me a cup, and we'll catch them, and then we'll let them outside. That's my thing. Just don't kill them. Be free. All right. Fly. We will, <laughs> Mothgate will continue. Uh, we, will, we will let you know the status of Mothgate as it continues. But, uh, <laughs> So, you know, we just want to say um, to Adam West's family and to his fans and everybody, um, you know, our condolences and, and that we hope that his passing was gentle and that he went well into that good night. So on an entirely different note. Sorry, Megan. I'm trying to keep you from crying. So that's why I'm going right into weird shit, because I feel like if I shift to weird shit then we'll be good. Okay. Um, apparently, there's like, it's not technically a new thing. Apparently, the first virtual reality wedding occurred in 1994. Um, but now, it's becoming more of a common thing. Um, there, there's an article, and it is on theweek.com, and <clears throat> it's about virtual reality weddings and how they're becoming more prevalent. So basically, this is kind of how it works. People like they get dressed like the, in the the couple in this article. They got the wedding dress, the tux. They got all dressed up. They go into this room and then they put on these VR headsets, right? And then all of a sudden, there there's people all over the world that are wearing the same VR headsets. And the wedding couple or the the couple that's getting married can see you know all the people in the virtual reality world. Some of them look like robots. Some of them look like humans. And their backdrop is like something like a. Um, let me see here. It's a, I think it said something about it being like, like a lava. Something with hot lava. You, you get married. <laughs> well, I mean, by I don't know if it's hot, but you know, either way, it's a virtual reality volcano. Something like that. We're <sighs> looking it up right. Well, I have it pulled up. It's just taking a second. I've been involved in a virtual. Reality. I don't even oh. want to say virtual reality. Okay, they're, so they're on a platform built over a churning red lake of lava. And there's glowing clouds in the distance, and, and it's like a weird space. And then, like, you know, there. Are you getting people, married in, like, the fires of Mordor? What the heck is going on? Apparently, yeah. So this and this is apparently it's a new thing, and, well, a newer thing that it's becoming more common. Obviously, it's been done. Um, what the fuck? But yeah, so I mean, I don't really. I guess I can see that it would be cheaper, like if you have family all over the world, and you're as like, opposed to say like a destination wedding, I, right? That that I could see that. Yeah, but like if you're, it's not clear. Stephanie, do you what? want to get married in the Shire? You know I would, boo. <laughs> You and me, and let's do it. <laughs> do we get to have fake hairy feet? Because my feet are not hairy, okay? So no. we, we would have just to, to be like, clear. Yeah, I just want to clear that up for everybody. I don't think Megan's feet are my either. Toes. Did you just say you shave your toes? Yes. So you're my toes. They're not like you're they're not like tense. They're not hobbit. like hobbit hairy. I just look, dang it. <laughs> Look, dang it. <laughs> Look, dang it. <laughs> There's hair on my toes. I don't like it, so I shave it. It's not 
a thing. It's not a big thing, okay? All right. I'm sure there's tons of women out there who shave their toes. I'm sure that there are. If anybody judges me for shaving my toes, I'm going to blow you up. <laughs> She'll never know. Keep judging. <laughs> Keep judging. Uh, so, yeah, this is the thing. And, and, and my, my big question is, what is the the draw for this other than, like I said, if you have family like that's, you know, like say you live in America and like all your family's over, you know, Hi. overseas. Okay. It's a cheaper way to, to do the wedding and have everybody present. Do they meet online? Um, I don't know. It didn't say. In the like article. I could understand if, like you said, I don't have the money. Hey, I met you. I'm from the United States. You're from Ireland. Now, see, that's what I. That's where I was going when she first said VR wedding. Like I thought it was going to be like the couple was getting married from separate locations in virtual reality. See, now I yeah. thought of something completely. Completely different. I thought it was like, hey, it's Second Life and we're friends. Oh, like I was going like World of Warcraft. Say, get it? Yeah, because yeah, people do that all the freaking time. They're right. not technically married, but there's there's the like the fake IMVU, Second Life, World of Warcraft, um, Dungeons and Dragons online weddings, probably like all the time. I don't. I, yeah, but this is a legitimate binding wedding. They're in the same oh. room. These two, the couple is in the same room, and the, see, all the, of that. I can't, are, I can't find the, I can't find the appeal, the appeal in that. Even, I mean, and it says here, um, one of the people involved was really into like technology and science fiction, um, and so they thought it'd be a really cool idea. Which I mean, it yeah. kind of is. Like, yes, it's a unique wedding, but I feel like. I feel like our um, our digital life is taking over our actual life, and that's one of the things that you do where you get to go see people. You get to have a fun <laughs> but time. You know what? And if there is an open bar, it's even more yes. fun. Mm. Yes, you can tolerate. But I still hate weddings. Relatives. Oh, I love them. Why I you, still. Why do you hate weddings? Because I hate weddings. Just <laughs> because as much I hate as, weddings. Just as much as I hate funerals. I mean, funerals are worse because there's dead people. But hopefully, just one dead one person. dead person. Right. I mean, unless you know, you're. Never mind. I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> um, this is a morbid ass show, I'm man. Sorry. We need to like pack it up. <laughs> I know. I need. <laughs> Megan needs to drink some happy juice. Next I'm, I'm going to make. I'm going to make her drink a shot on the next break. Guys, um, so that'll probably she'll lighten up a be little bit. worse. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, but it's, it's, I don't know. I just, I don't care for weddings. I mean, even my own wedding, it's, I guess it's fun in a sense, but I'd rather be at home watching TV. <laughs> so playing video basically games. she wants to be a hermit. So it has nothing really to do with the fact that it's a you wedding. Know what, it's just you know what, maybe, a social situation. Maybe I should have just had a virtual reality. See, you wouldn't thing. have had that to leave way your house. I, exactly. I wouldn't even had to leave my bed. You wouldn't have had to gotten dressed. Nope. You could have gotten married in your PJs. Hell yeah. There we go. So and my Batman onesie that I don't have. <laughs> Megan's future next wedding. <laughs> Tom, can we get divorced only to get married again? <laughs> in or VR. I could, in yeah, VR. right. <laughs> Let's do it the right way. Um, but ro- technology isn't even um, only being used to replace weddings. But now they're talking about um, having therapists be replaced by robots, and they're saying that it makes people feel more comfortable because robots don't judge. <laughs> Siri judges all the time. I, was I don't know what you're say. talking have, about. Have they never seen Terminator? 
You know, <laughs> apparently not. Um, and and I, I can see the merit of it because it might make some people feel more comfortable. But to me, having a communication between two people, like with my therapist, like I, there's a give and take, and right. I know like she's she's an actual human. She has responses that are see? not programmed. You know, it is actual communication. But so I don't know if this. I don't think it's a great idea. But for me or for people who can't find the right therapist, I guess I wouldn't I would be open to trying a robot therapist only because I'm not getting I'm not getting Mary's um uh inspirational um background of why um she feels a certain way. Like I tell her a situation like, "Hey, I'm depressed or I'm upset because of this. Well, when I was upset and and depressed because of a certain situation that's slightly related to yours but isn't really and gets into this whole tangent about her life, I'm just sitting there like, how is this supposed to help me again? Who's who's paying the copay here? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But So maybe this in turn could be like, hey, a robot doesn't really have life experiences that they could relate back to themselves and then go off on a wild tangent. They could be like, look, bitch, maybe you just need to stop being – Take some Xanax. Yeah. Maybe you need some Xanax. (laughs) Maybe you need to get laid. Or, hey, maybe maybe you you should just stop being self-centered. I don't know. Get laid while you're taking Xanax. I mean – That could be a thing as well. It can't hurt, right? Have some more tequila. I don't know what a robot would tell me because I'm not a therapist. But at the same time, I know that I just – it's I don't know. So maybe for you, Megan, it would it would be a good thing. I don't know. I just I don't think that um, a therapy is a it's a process, and I don't think that un- unless AI becomes so good that um, a robot's able to empathize and learn that it would actually really work in the then long run. But, but they do. So we've talked about this on our show several times now because it keeps creeping us out. So Google created three different AIs. Yep. And two of them decided they wanted to talk without the third one knowing what was going on. And so they created their own encryption that now not even Google's engineers can break to have its own little conversations that the third AI can't know about. That's amazing. And then they developed this new thing for uh, like coding where it's supposed to like develop code routines for you for neural networks and all that kind of stuff. They've been analyzed like it's now aware and like and so they've been they like the engineers have been trying to analyze what kind of code it's putting out there. There are reams of code that make absolutely no sense to a human being. Like the engineers can't figure out what the hell the AI is doing, but it makes sense to the AI, and so it's off coding and doing its thing. And it's like it's that's the kind of shit that's why don't you ask the AI what you're doing? Skynet. Well, and. You know what? AI, we've talked about AI on our show like several times. Really quick, I just watched a Netflix original anime movie called Blom. I think I'm pronouncing it right. It's either that or blame, but I think it's Blom. But I'm not going to get into that. But basically, just just fucking watch it. Just just fucking watch it. It makes so much. It just makes so much sense right now. It's kind of creepy. Basically, like it's a world where computers have taken over and have tried to eliminate the humans, like Skynet. But 
basically like a genetic code in humans is the only way that these computers are able to be controlled and this one of the characters are trying to figure out like they're trying to find it's 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 weird but it's cool just fucking watch it all right well on that note just fucking watch that and we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna have our guest steven panella all right, and welcome back to the Waystation. What's up, what's up? It's Stephanie and Meg, and Mothgate, the update is the moth is still in our studio. We don't know how to get rid right of now. the moth. We're working on it. And just when we clear it up, be. I just don't want it to fly into my mouth while I'm talking. So Just put your face into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we are at the point in our show where we always have an amazing creator come on and, and speak about their work and possibly some, you know, other random things that we enjoy talking about. So we have Steve Pinella um, on the show. He is the the writer and the artist. And and this is my question to you, Steve, was did you do all the lettering as well? Uh, yeah. Hi. I Actually, I did everything. I wrote it. I drew it. Came up with the idea. Basically, everything inside the book is done by me. I'm pretty much a one-man operation outside of obviously printing the thing. And I do have somebody that helps me go over some editing, uh, proofing and things like that. But it's pretty much my entire creation from soup to nuts from beginning to end. I assumed that just because yours was the only name on the cover of the, the, each comic. So usually, you know, if there's a letter or somebody else, they would be yeah, you know listing. on there or somewhere. I just assumed that you were, but I wanted to make sure before I made any stupid assumptions. <laughs> no problem. No, well, it's, uh, it's all me. <laughs> it's all you. Well, thank you so much, Steve, for joining us. It sounds like uh, you're you're. It's a. You said this was a first for you because where are you right now at this moment? Right now, I'm inside of uh, my car. In a parking lot, in a parking garage, actually, which is right across from a kid's birthday party that my oldest son was invited to. And our other two kids are also there. So my wife is in there all by herself in a place that's sort of like a local Chuck E. Cheese's games, laser tag, bouncy houses, pizza, all that fun stuff. You mean like the best and, place in the world? <laughs> right? <laughs> great. Uh, but party started at five to seven and i said look i gotta take this call we've been planning this for weeks i didn't actually know about the party so i'm in the car some people are walking by thinking i'm about to drive out which i'm not and it's you know this is much my normal life uh you know trying to create a comic book and balance it with you know a, a real full-time day job uh my family and my three children, ages three, seven, and nine. So it's a lot, but I always, I find a way. That's really what you have to do. You just have to find a way to do it and get it done instead of just thinking about how it'll get done. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it sounds like you have a very full plate. And it it, it seems to be a common thing um, with indie comics. It's a lot of people, you know, they work, you know, their day job and they, they do their comics or their art. Um, and then they have families and they have all these other things going on. So I feel like indie comic creators are really probably some of the busiest people on the planet. Yeah, definitely. I, I would tend to agree with that. I mean, actually, it's funny. When I was much younger and I first was interested in being a 
comic book artist or whatever. I used to think that that all of the comic artists had these great lives where all they did was draw comics, nothing else. They were making, you know, boatloads of money that they could go to all these conventions all across the country and have everything paid for. And then as I got older, I realized and found out that, you know, maybe because nobody asked them if that's how it really is, but the truth is most, even mainstream professional artists have something else going on. And yeah, we have families, we have lives, we have responsibilities, and we also have our work that we hope people enjoy. And that's why we create it. That's why, that's why I do it. I feel like to me, it's a nice uh, release from the real world. Uh, I, I think my story is interesting. I hope people enjoy it. I hope people like the artwork and it's building an audience. So that, that motivates me. But at the same time, there's always day-to-day responsibilities. I could be drawing something at home. And if my three-year-old wants me to read a story or watch something on Disney Channel with him, I have to stop and do it. That's just real life. It, and then with my day job, uh, sometimes I have to work late. Sometimes I have to work weekends. Think, you know, real life. Again, it happens. When a, four, so, when a four-year-old hands you a toy phone, you answer it. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, you know, it's just uh, when a, you know, if a three-, four-year-old hand you anything and you ignore it, you do so at your own peril because you have no idea what they can come up with, especially if it's like Sharpies or markers or whatnot. <laughs> I'm, there's some great, some great artwork on some of our walls, let me tell you. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm almost jealous, but, you know, it, it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a real balance. It's a balancing act for sure. So, I mean, honestly... I mean, Pace Allen would probably trade places with me in a heartbeat because, like, you know, my life is so easy compared to hers, I think. And and then, of course, I probably feel the same way. Oh, heck, you know. (laughs) The grass Uh, is always greener, you know. (laughs) We we live in our own realities. (laughs) Yeah, and considering her story is all done in gothic, noir, black and white, grayscale, the grass is greener in a black and white world. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's... It's an, it's definitely a journey, but there's a discipline to it. And you just have to find a way to make it work, really, that there's no good answer as to how it happens. Uh, you just, you know, find the time. I, a lot of Faith Fallon is created very piecemeal. I've been working on the thing for probably seven years. I started really getting back into it in 2010, but I really didn't even start producing pages till 2012. Most of it, the first two years, was scripting it, playing it out, character designs, uh, thumbnails, things like that. And then pages are done as I can do them. Sometimes I'll do a panel a day. Sometimes I'll do a page in, you know, a page in a day. Other times I won't touch it for two months because I'm just buried at, at work. And then there's school things or holidays or whatever. It's uh, It's an incredibly... It's an incredible juggling act. That's really what it comes down to. I I actually had kind of the books pretty much done before I even tried to solicit it to a publisher. I I didn't want to be that guy that put out a book and then issue two came out two months later and issue three came out three years later. So I really wanted to be ahead of myself before I even sent it to anybody to get to possibly be printed because I wanted to be sure I knew I could get it done. 
that was really my biggest thing. I didn't want to find out that, you know, outside of a natural disaster, I have, I have 12 pages of the last issue to do, and I don't have to send it to the publisher print or the printer for about a year. So I think even I can do one page a month if I had to. So it's all, it's all going to be good. It's going to come out bi-monthly. The issue six will be out uh, by the third week of June, and then every two months following, total of 12 issues. Uh, it'd be about 300 pages when it's all done. That's uh, quite a sweeping epic. Uh, I read, you know, you sent us over, thank you so much for sending over the uh, issues for us to read. I really appreciate it. Um, and I read through everything that you sent. Um, and one of the things that I wanted to, to speak with you about was, and because you've also now confirmed it, you've, okay, so you work on all of this all on your own. To complete yeah. a full page with, you know, like, how long does it take for you to write the script? And then how long does it take for you to do the art? Like, as a whole, doing all of this on your own, how long does it take you to get through an entire issue? I think the best way to describe it is since I officially started doing this, like I said, the first actual real pages of art were created around May of 2012. That's when I started posting a few things on Facebook or whatever just to kind of get a feel of what people might think. And then I noticed I was getting some results. But, you know, I started really getting serious about it in 2010, and now here we are 2018. And I've done, let's see, about 260 pages, I would say, or 270 round numbers plus covers that, that are completed. So you're basically looking at it takes a little over a week a page to do. Now, as far as, like, real hours, I'm not saying that it takes, like, you know, seven twenty-four hour days, but I think if I was really able to start and end, if I actually had, like, a week to myself where I didn't have to do anything or time stood still or whatever, it would probably take me about two, three days to from thumbnails to, to sketching to drawing it to lettering it to you know getting it ready for print production size probably about two or three days like uh you know 10 30 hours 10 three 10 hour days would be my guess so some are a little quicker than others because maybe it's a single large splash page others take longer if there's a lot of panels a lot of dialogue and also like the way i work since everything is done Outside of maybe initial pencil sketches, everything is done digitally with, you know, different drawing programs, whatever I can get my hands on. A lot of the panels that you see are actually drawn a lot larger. And then they're just like, you know, shrunk down to fit the page. I, I, I don't draw well tiny. Like, you'll never see me do, like, sketch cards, two-by-three two sketch cards from tops. I, I just can't draw that small. It's just one of those weird things. I always prefer to draw larger and even, like, the way I ink or render things, I always, like, work for reproduction thinking, okay, it's going to be, originally it's going to be this big, but it's going to be shrunk down to the size of a comic book. So I don't have to be as super precise because I know when things shrink down, they tighten up. Right. So that's really, I mean, even, like, when I went to the old Kubert school back in the 80s, you would see some of the original artwork by Joe Kubert or other instructors that were there and you'd see the large size art and you would see some brush strokes that looked so loose. It was almost like they were like just 
dropped from like a Q-tip or something. But when you saw them at printed size, they were beautiful. And that was sort of like we were taught, like, you know, you're working for reproduction. Originals are great, of course. You still have to learn how to draw, but people are going to see what they hold in their hands. Collectors will buy the original artwork someday, but it was always like, uh, you know, it was always work for reproduction. So uh, we would work twice up, but I always felt like when I started drawing tiny panels, I just couldn't, like, draw a small little eye or a nose or whatever, and I felt like I needed to draw larger so that probably adds to my time. I'd probably tell somebody, like, if you really want to learn how to do comics and draw comics, follow me for a week and do the opposite. You'll probably be a little more efficient. But that's just <laughs> the way it I, I would ne- I would never, you know, presume to tell anybody this is the only way to do it. But I, it works for me. And since I'm basically the one-man show, I get to work the way I want to, I guess. It's sort of a good thing. You get to do what you want. It's a be- yeah. That's beautiful. Not to mention the yeah. saving yeah, it's cost. Kind of like, uh, I don't know. I, I guess there's other, kind of like, I guess, like uh, Jeff Lynn with Electric Light Orchestra. He does all of his own writing, producing. He plays his own instruments whenever he puts out an album every 15 years or whatever. But he does everything, pretty much. And I've heard him say that he likes to do everything because he knows that he gets along with himself. So there's never <laughs> obviously when he needs a band, but is there ever uh, at any point in time you have ever thought like, man, I wish I had somebody to help me on this really quick. Like at um, all? For Face Fallon, no, because this really was like this was like my baby. This is like something that when I finally decided I really want to try to do something comic book wise, cause I, I'm, I'm a graphic designer by day. I tried, I went to the Kubert school in the eighties. I tried to get into comics when I was, you know, in, when I was in my twenties, but truth is I stunk. I didn't know. I didn't draw well enough to get any sort of comic book work. And I mean, I went into the school not being that great, you know, best in high school, worst in the real world type of thing. And I got better when I, by the time I got out, but it still wasn't quite there. So uh, maybe back then I would have been able to like do some pencil layout. Somebody else would have been a much better inker to finish it, or someone else would have been better at coloring and lettering, definitely. But, you know, now it's kind of like Faith Fallon is, it's, it's really like to me, it's my, it's my concept, it's my IP, and I really know how I want this done. And even I, I've thought about trying to do it even beforehand with, with another artist or whatever. And I just never knew anybody that could do what was in my head and get it on paper. So I had to like force myself to get to the point where I could do it. And, you know, again, that was like really important to me. Now, I don't know, down the road, I wouldn't be against like working with somebody else, but I'd probably prefer to do something that's maybe doing the lettering or the ink work, finishing work. I don't know if I'd really want to like pencil out somebody else's story. And I don't know if I would write a story and want somebody else to draw it. Cause I'd probably want to at least do like the initial layouts. So, you know, of course this is the independent world. So there's a little more freedom and leeway involved. Um, yeah, if Marvel hired me, which I doubt would ever happen, but if they did, obviously I'd have to like fall in line with how they do things. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right now, it's it's really outside of having somebody that does help me with, uh, you know, basically proofreading the 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 work that I've done to be sure I didn't do any like really stupid typos like like I did one on issue three that I missed that she caught but I missed it when I was cleaning up things but uh, you know that's basically it I mean you know it's my it's it's my one man show and for this one I really just feel for this particular character I, I have to you know I, I have to do it. You know, she's, she's demanding, so I, you know, I, I don't want her to, you know, I can handle her. I don't know if anyone else could. <laughs> Sometimes the things you create become bigger than yourself, and they become very real, so I definitely can understand where you're coming from with that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. So for, for people who have yet to discover your comic, how, how would you best describe the story um, in a way that would... Uh, catch people's attention i i would tell people which what i've told at like comic conventions because i've done a few shows and you know either solo or with the publisher insane comics i just tell people that you have to treat it as it's a self-contained story which will be done over 12 issues it's the story about this woman faith Fallon, who was uh like the most famous actress number one superstar of her time in the 50s. And it's the story of her life from when she was a little girl in Kansas to the time when she finally makes it big in Hollywood to her eventual fall from grace. Some of her bad decisions in her life kind of caught up to her. And then people thought she apparently committed suicide. But the truth is she suffered a fate that was worse than death. But it ends up turning out maybe actually being better than death. So think of it as like, as a weird autobi- a weird biography of a famous person, almost like uh, think of it almost like in terms of like an Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter type of thing or pride prejudice and zombies, like a really strange, trippy biography of a person, and it's cross genre. It starts off very noirish and gothic. Uh, almost like a soap opera at first, but then the next, the press like the first four issues, then the next four issues get into more of a, more of like a horror type of setting. And then the last four, there's always a horror undertone to it. There's always a gothic undertone to it, but the last four issues almost have this sci-fi aspect to it. So it's like, if you enjoy miniseries or series in the vein of like an American Horror Story, an HBO, an FX, or Showtime type of miniseries, that this would be something that I think would appeal to you. And it's also, I would also say it's probably the comic book for people that don't read comics. It's a mature audience book. I mean, it's not explicit hardcore, but it's it's an adult R-rated TV 13-plus there, the, yeah, there are adult themes. There are um, a lot of boobs, which I'm totally. Please. We love boobs here on this show, so we are definitely uh, fans. Yeah, we're not. Oh, we're not against tatas. <laughs> right, at, at, at some point, uh, you know, I, I'm not against. You know, you, you know. Don't worry, the, the guys get their share too at some point. So 
if that I, I don't want it to come across as like oh it's a bo- it's a boob fest because it really isn't like I try to yeah I mean there is definitely that sexual aspect but you know it, it's sort of part of the story sort of like there's Game of Game of Thrones has a lot of that and I never do anything that's overly explicit I'm I'm very careful about that I mean it's a very again it's a very noirish artsy type of story and it's this woman pursuit of fame and what she's willing to do for it and that's something that I think is sort of like a universal thing people could sort of relate to like you know why what are people willing to do to become famous and why is it so important to them and you know why do people seem to gravitate towards people like this I mean like I wouldn't say faith is exactly the most likable or lovable person on the planet. I mean, she's definitely, she's very driven in what she wants and she's willing to do anything to achieve her goals, which is pretty obvious in the first uh, three or four issues for sure. Right. But there are consequences that, that happen. And, you know, there's also the motivations of the other characters that are introduced here and there that, you know, are part of her life and, might even be part of her afterlife, but I don't want to give away too many things because, uh, like I said, five issues of out already issue six is coming. And there's a lot of things in issue six where you think, you know, where the story was going. And then you're like, really? Oh my God. I, I never, I didn't see that one coming. And then there's going to be another surprise in seven, another surprise in issue eight. Uh, so I, I want to keep people guessing, and I, it's basically, I would say, you really have to read the entire thing, but it will be pretty much self-contained. I mean, I'm not, I used to toy with the idea of a sequel, prequel type of thing, but this will be the Faith Allen story. Not to say another character couldn't have a spinoff someday, but this is her story. This will be it. Um, and, you know, she will go on, and it's really... I don't see me doing like another take down series after this one. Now, maybe I'll do something else, but I, I don't want it to get to the point where like people are just sick of her. You know, like Spider Man one was okay, Spider Man two was great. Now it's like, please, no more Spider Man movies. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like we're even though the new Spider Man, I'm very impressed by, but yeah, it's kind of like stop rebooting, stop yes. shoving things in our faces, please. Please, I, I totally get it. And one of the things that I uh, really enjoyed about the series so far um, is it's it's very like avant garde. Like it's very, it's very different. Yeah, it's not your atypical comic. Even like the the the, the people themselves. It's it's like watching a virtual reality again with virtual reality. It's like playing. Like playing a game almost, like the, the way the things are created, and the it's very very different. And I actually, that I enjoy. Well, because there is like you know, there's a lot of superhero books. There's yeah. a lot of there, there's a lot of like genre books, and I feel like you know, noir is one of my favorite types of genre, uh, genres. But this is done, and in the art style, and I'm going to ask you a little bit about that because I'm curious. Um, okay. looking at this, um, I'm, I'm wondering, okay, so how do you actually, is this digital? Is some of it, is some of it digital? Is some of it hand-drawn? Because I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm getting a sense it's more than one of those. 
it's a combination of everything, to be honest. Like, I, you know, some of it, everything is done eventually is done digitally off of, like I said, various and sundry programs. And then it's all put together, you know, what I, I mean, I do some Photoshop, but most of it is really just to put the panels together and get the lettering in. But I mean, some, there's initial sketches that I do. I scan them in. I, since I have to do this piecemeal, like sometimes I actually will take some of my scans and I'll, do linking on an iPad. Maybe I'll bring it to, with me to work, and I'll do it during like a quick lunch break. I'll, I'll you know render and paint a face or something. And then uh, there's another tablet that I have that I can you know that has other programs. Like I have I have an iPad. I have an Android, Wake and Cintiq that has a bunch of like free Droid programs that are good for drawing comics. Uh, uh, you know whatever I can get. A lot of the toning and textures are things that I, you know, made or created. And I used to do some photography, so I kind of had an idea of playing around with, like, sort of having a good understanding of, like, depth of field and filtering. And I've done some darkroom work in my, back in the dark ages when there actually were dark rooms and not everything was digital. So there's different ways. I mean, and then I do use some 3D programs in a sense of like getting the lighting of a character or, you know, modeling them. Like I don't have enough of a supercomputer where I can do a nice fully rendered thing, but, uh, you know, I have some basic real simple models for some of the characters. Uh, there's some photo reference. Uh, it's just basically, it's, it's a lot of everything. It's using every graphic design and production trick I could think of and photography trick I could think of from, you know, just my day job of doing anything from doing presentation design to doing production on annual reports to following templates. Uh, and, you know, it's just all thrown together. So I was trying to come up with I knew all these like little bits and pieces and I thought, is there a way to really combine it and make it kind of work? And I really hadn't thought about doing it this way until like, I guess it was like the early 2000s. I had stopped reading comics for the longest time, but I saw some graphic novels at Barnes and Noble and there was an artist that did, <clears throat> excuse me, it did Daredevil, Alex Maleev. And I'm not saying I draw anything like him. I don't, but I did notice some of like his, you know, since he basically penciled and inked his own work, and I had read how he was using like models and photo references and some of his cityscape backgrounds, I sort of saw some of the things he was doing, and I thought, wow, you know, I, I think uh, I think I did something like that once for a project, or I think I did something like that once on a photograph that I took. And then, I, you know, I was out of reading comics for a long time. I'm like, wow, they actually do stuff like this now. That's cool. And... I saw he kind of inspired me to think of like kind of think outside of the box would still be somewhat traditional. Like I didn't want to go full, fully rendered, full color, heavy metal type of stuff. Um, Cause at the time I didn't feel like I was, you know, uh, proficient enough of a colorist to do it. But uh, the black and white stuff, I seem to always have like an act for tones and grayscales, which was kind of ironic as one of my, coloring teachers at the Keyword School is Greg Dolderbrandt, and I mean, his colors are beautiful, but I also had done some stuff in school, like, way back when, where we would do, like, ink washes, and use, like, 
Martin's eyes to do like a flat color over the, the, the grayscale washes to give the appearance of a molded full color effect. So there's a lot of different things. I mean, you know, I, I would say on average, uh, it's probably, there's some Photoshop, there's some Illustrator, there's uh, a couple of, you know, things like Medibank Paint Pro, uh, you know, for some inking. The lettering is just uh, from, I think it was called Blandbox Bonds, that C.C. Dave Gibbons was the lettering, and he was the artist's watchman, and he did his own lettering. I always kind of liked that style. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that we buy the lettering and have the right to use it commercially, I'm like, I'm using this. I like this. I, I kind of like the look. It reminds me of like a Hubert or Frank Thorne type of lettering. And it just fit the style of the story. It just worked for me. And then, like I said, it's all, every, eventually everything's put together like in a page, whether it be like, um, I started doing a lot of stuff in like an older version of Photoshop because basically I'm just throwing TIFFs and smart objects on top of each other, resizing them. Then the lettering's done on a separate layer. Then I save it as a grayscale TIFF. And, you know, that's for the print production. And I still have all the original, you know, pieces of artwork and whatever. I have like terabits of stuff that are just floating around. So I guess in theory, I could pull like an actual figure from one panel and recreate it if I had to. So well, there's a lot there's a lot going on in this thing. And again, like I said, everyone, boys and girls, listen to what I'm doing and do the opposite. So, <laughs> well, it, looking at the comic, uh, there's definitely several several layers. Um, it, it it has like a um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Overlay. Uh, no? no, not overlay. <laughs> That's too simple. Um, there's there's different types of. Um, like if you were working with materials, say textures, you, yes, textures, and I and that actually makes the art pop. I think a lot um, for being black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's one thing that I did want to mention. Um, there is in your comic. There's a thing that you do. There's these four little like panels that like cross over and basically create like an like, entire picture. They're right. You use them several times uh, throughout the series, and it's you know one of them is just kind of black and gray. The next one is a face. The next one's like an eyeball, and a little bit of hair. Right. And the next one's hair. So my question is to you: I mean, what what does that sequence mean to you? That was just sort of like that's. I think the panels you're talking about are based on, it, it appears on the cover and then like the third or fourth page of the first issue. And to me, that just kind of goes over her overall uh, trauma. Because uh, it's basically, it's just a close-up of her face. Right. Mm-hmm. So basically, I drew, that, I drew that page. And then I did one panel with basically four panels on top of it. And then I realized, well, if I cut them and have them kind of like falling in pieces... It was more of like a psychological aspect to what was happening to her, sort of like her falling apart and trying to put herself back together again. Just right. Like, it's very know, fragmented. Yes. And that's what I took from yeah. it. So I'm, I'm I, glad that I, I read it, you know, the right way. <laughs> yeah. I call it the Monday panel. You know, that's me on Mondays. Oh, my God. <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you know, if you po- have you ever posted that on your Facebook? Because I feel like people would just keep sharing that and sharing that and sharing that. <laughs> that's my 
they actually no. I usually usually on my personal Facebook, I always have I always have some sort of like nice little photograph for a Monday to say, oh boy, it's Monday or whatever. Like I had one um, last week, a video of guys going through intense martial arts instruction, and I'll just leave it at that. And I have a one that I'm going to put up this Monday, which is a colorized photograph of a boxing match from 18 from 1912 or 1918 something like that and it's just two guys who just totally bloodied beat like to pulps and it's like oh it's me on monday you know, oh. <laughs> it's me on monday i'm a I, pummeled juice or just yeah, you know a, ba- a bag of meat a bag basically of meat. There you go. i'm just a bag of meat that you bought from sam's club for like ten dollars <laughs> I do have a question. Um, as much as I love, like, love, love, love the grayscale, is there by any chance that you might surprise us with, like, a colored um, issue? Like, just or, out, of, out of the blue? Or a colored or panel. Co- yeah, or, or just Spatter. a covered, yeah, just random. Well, the, actually, for the 12 issue series itself, the entire thing, including covers, will always be in grayscale. And to me, that was sort of like something that it's just meant to be done that way. It's meant to be like a, a black and white epic. Now, if, they, if we ever do like a trade paperback of a compilation of issues, I would lean towards doing a color cover only because that's sort of a different animal as far as being distributed and sent out there. Like, I think mm-hmm. I would something just to get it a little more noticed because you know if i managed to if we managed to get that distributed to like bookshops and things like that maybe it needs like a splash of color just because it's a different market but like i've noticed that i went to a convention with uh the publisher that was in philadelphia i was i was there on a saturday and he had this entire rack of like all the insane comics titles mm-hmm. and fake allen was yeah, had had, uh, four, had five issues out at the time. The fifth issue had just come out. And there's five black and whites in this sea of color. And I noticed just like walking by that you would just see this block of black and white or grayscale. It would just sort of pop back. It's like to me, it was like I wanted it. I just think that it makes sense to keep the series itself grayscaled out. I mean, one thing I'd love to do some days, I'd like to take the entire series when it's done. I'd love to have it in a sort of a larger size hardcover format, but I'd like to have it printed in, like, black and silver duotone, like metallic ink duotones. Ooh. And I actually did a print of the first issue cover that that I give... Hello? Hello? We are still here. (laughs) Okay. It was just weird. For a second, it blanked out. Um, Weird car. So I I did, like, a, a print of the cover image... And it came out really nice, and I'm thinking, wow, this would be nice on, like, really slick paper doing it that way. That would be really cool. Now, as far as, far as like, trying to do it... Hello? As far as trying to do it in, like... Are we still there? Oh, yeah, we gotcha. We're good. Okay, I don't, I don't know what's happening. I apologize. It's just... You're, you know what? You're it's in a parking really garage. Weird. It's cool. <laughs> like, we get it. There's a bunch of kids running around in front of you. It's probably them. <laughs> yeah, it's very. I don't know. I it, I have an iPhone seven, so I think that has that explains a lot in itself. <laughs> uh, can you? Hear? No, really, it's the worst phone on the planet. It's just like it's 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 the Windows Vista 
of foam. Oh, 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 that it is harsh. We're, we're going to have to let Apple know it hurts, that. But the truth hurts. It's a bad. It's a bad phone. I'm really disappointed in it. But uh, anyway, that being said, um, you know, I, as far as like doing a color faith, I don't think faith would work totally in color. So it's, I'm going to keep her grayscale black and white. There may be some characters in the story, but if they ever got their own one shot or something, I might consider doing a full color thing. But I have done color images of Faith Fallon, um, I, you know, and sometimes I've actually had some prints like at trade shows or comic cons where if somebody buys the, the book for me and I sign it, I include like a color print. So there, there are some things out there. If you check out my Instagram or look up Faith Fallon on Instagram, you'll see there's some color images of her. Awesome. So, you know, I mean, but I don't know if I'd ever do a full story in color. I mean, I was talking with the sequel prequel concept where, the prequel was still in black, black and white, and the sequel would actually be in color. But um, again, that, that was like a 64-page draft that I have. But I, I'm not sure if I'm going to do it or move on to something else. So I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell people, hey, after this series is done, when the 12th issue comes out in about a year or so from now, expect a new one like within a month later. That's probably not because I haven't done anything serious to even started outside of just like initial concepts. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, you know, uh, and then I also, I may want to do other things after this is out. Cause this is a lot of work, which I'm, I'm enjoying. I'm loving it, but I still, I still have the family. I still have the real job. I still have real life. And there's other things I may want to do. I may want to do single illustrations, maybe do more book covers or, things like that or and then those might be like fully rendered and fully colored yeah gotcha gotcha well okay and i i feel like this beat me over the head when i read it but i i just have to make sure that i am that i interpreted it properly um in issue three uh yeah when uh dahlia which is one of the characters um if you're not familiar with the series uh when she um you know Something happens when you to find her. out her when you find out her secret. Well, there is the secret, but that's not it. Yeah, <laughs> that's not it. Uh, you know, at first that would have been okay. my question, but I, I totally got that from afterwards. Yeah, but um, so there is. I I don't want to give too much away, but I do have to ask: Are are you referencing the Black Dahlia murder? Um, not necessarily. I mean, you know, she, uh does go by Dahlia Black because she's obviously the black she's Dahlia is the black sheep of that family obviously so I mean there are sort of like innuendo and subtle nudges to things that are part of pop culture or history like you know in issue four you find out that Faith Fallon was really a young girl uh you know, whose name was Dorothy and she was from a small town in Kansas. Now, I don't know if that's right. ever been Dorothy. done before in literature or, or movies or musicals or anything. Or even I think there's a part where she, you find out that she eventually leaves her little town by uh, running off with a circus and she was thrilled that they had lions and tigers, but there are no bears. But she got freedom. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just sort of like a nudge. Um, there are sort of like little hints and innuendos throughout the story to things that I enjoyed in my youth. I mean, you might, you know, there, there's uh, the, the 
the son of the movie producer, Luke. You're going to find out Luke's adopted, I think, which is already established in the story. Yeah. So it stands to reason Luke might have to find out who his father is. That's never been done, right? Um, <laughs> you know, so we- this is sort you know, there are, there are some parody aspects to this story, but like, I don't think that his parody is haha, laugh your butt off Mad Magazine parody. I think of it more like, and this is sort of an odd comparison. I think of it more like the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. If you ever saw the original comics, the black and whites from the eighties, yep. they were like basically, it was a parody of like, uh, you know, Frank Miller's work, Daredevil, Teen Titans, Ninjas. But there was one thing about it. It wasn't funny. It was played straight. I mean, as straight as four turtles eating pizza led by a rat fighting ninjas could be. But it was not done as... It it turned into the Saturday Nickelodeon cartoon series once it hit the big market, but they they did parody, but they did it straight. Cowabunga, dude. I kind of always... I have always enjoyed... That was one thing I always found really original with what they did. So, yeah, they're sort of like a nod to what they managed to do back in the day. So... You'll see little subtle things like that that are referenced. Sure. I mean, but it's it's more of like it's a, a wink and a nod. I mean, in issue five, oh, excuse me, there's there's a reference to Faith's Fallon's career kind of like not going in meets, you know, she kind of references meeting uh, a very prominent politician at the time. Right. And you know, I mean, I don't know. Maybe some actress had a thing for a big politician in the 60s that she met in Texas. I don't know. It could have happened. It but could like be I a said, thing, any, right? Any, you know, any similarities to people living dead or undead or whatever are purely coincidental. You know. And the story is fictitious. It's always important to say that. So right, right. that I is mean, good. It's, it's a story. I mean, story. stories get influenced by things that happen in real life or your life or someone else's life. but uh, Absolutely they do. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe Dahlia Black is a bit of a, you know, more of an obvious, you know, pie-in-the-face type of situation, but there, there's things in there that people may or may not catch. <clears throat> I mean, I've, I've pointed it out to people that have read the stories and say, did you catch that reference? And I'm like, oh, no. They read it again. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. How did I miss that? So... I, I want to like throw little things in there, like, and that's part of like the writing and the overall style of the book and the tone of it. You know, it's like I, I put a lot into the script before I even tried to lay the thing out. Like, I almost had it like done as a screenplay. I actually wrote it as a screenplay once in like 2000, and you know, the screenplay stunk, but I got a lot of bad stuff out of it which was, it was a great exercise for me to do it that way. And the original Faith Fallon concept was actually based on a art school project at the Kubert school in the eighties, like same basic concept, actress trying to be famous ends up with a fate worse than death. But back then she was more of like an eighties, you know, eighties blonde actress, not, uh, not like an iconic figure from the fifties. She was more of like a B actress that you know, so she had, ended up. She had boobs, but no booty. Cause <laughs> a lot of eighties actresses were like all up front and all none breasts, in the back. no butt. Yeah. I mean, she, you know, face, face <laughs> is like, drawn like, you like know, chicken. she's drawn more of like a fifties 
60s-style woman. I mean, she's not drawn to look like, um, you know, she's not, uh, she's not Bella Hadid then. She's not, you know, 80s, 90s, whatever. I mean, she probably wouldn't even be looked at by a producer in real life today, which is kind of sad. But, <clears throat> you know, because of styles and people changing. But I didn't draw her to be a super thin supermodel. I mean, I wanted her to look more like uh, somebody from, you know, from the 1950s. You know, more of a curvaceous, you know, hourglassy type of woman versus, uh, you know, a stick figure with uh, big boobs. So no Kate Moss with the boob job. So there we go. No, no. I, I, <laughs> I try to make her look as natural as possible all things considered right and i appreciate i very much appreciate the homage i'm a big fan of the uh actresses from the 30s 40s and 50s and 60s Just mostly the actresses now well Just i am kidding i, I would say i'm, I'm fans sorry. of them as well but i have a lot of love for a, a different time so we are running short on time and i want to make sure that anybody who wants to find you and find your wonderful comic faith fallon uh, can find it, uh, published by Insane Comics. If anybody wants to look for your comics, where can they find them? Well, the easiest and best place to get them is through the Insane Comics, insanecomics.com website, where you can get the print copies. You can also get PDFs. If you prefer digital overall, I mean, there's PDFs at Insane Comics too, but uh, I actually do very well on Comixology. I was, I was surprised. I didn't you know, I knew that they were going to solicit to Comixology and put them on, but I get a lot of traffic and a lot of people purchasing from there, uh, partially because I guess, you know, Comixology has that whole guided page view where you could just, like, go panel to panel. And uh, so you got Comixology, you've got InsaneComics.com. Uh, on the InsaneComics.com website, it does mention that there are comic shops that the book is being sold in mostly like in uh middle america midwest uh in that area but if you're in new york city uh in the uh lower east side there's an art gallery called art on a gallery it's um on it's uh 24 um avenue a new york city i i have uh some copies of the books there uh which i which i've autographed and i include like black and white or color prints with. And I know that they're getting into more distribution, so it should be in more comic book shops over the upcoming months. And then, you know, look up, like, the Insane Comics. Uh, on f the website also mentions their upcoming comic convention, so all the Insane titles are always being sold there. Gotcha. And, you know, you could also find me, Steve Pinnell, look for me on Facebook. Say, say if you want to friend me, um, just mention that you heard me on this show or friend me and say something about Faith Balance so that I know it's a legitimate friend request versus like, you know, um, some, you know, uh, Scandinavian model that <laughs> has one friend and 4,000 bikini pictures that wants to be my friend. Well, yeah, somehow I don't believe that. Just so you know, before we started the show, I sent you a friend request. I hope that you know that I'm a real person by now. By now. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm going to have to look at them because I usually go through so many of them. <clears throat> I know I've, I've got like, 
I mean, today I had like seven or eight of them, so I usually go through them, but I've been a little tied up today. I had one of those Scandinavian but when, when ones. I, when I see it, I'll definitely friend you guys on it for sure. That's, that's you know, I was just I know letting you, guys you know, are real. I'm not like a Scandinavian I, I did have one of those today. Who, I'm not a bot. No, no, but it's, like, it's, it's amazing. Like, you know, it's like, I, why wasn't I this popular in high school? It would have like made my life a lot different, oh, you know? I would have had it's social... Just, it's, it's, it's crazy. Not, I mean, not that I, you know... And believe me, it's the last thing I need right now. I'm very happy with my wife and kids, and I don't need any, you know, I don't need any, like, craziness in my life any more than I already have. So, I, I would, but, uh, I would you know, definitely, I, I, I do offer, I, I do usually buy, I get, I get a couple of copies from the publisher, and I usually buy a few from him, you know, at, at the print price myself that I can sell on my own. And I, I've sold some, like, personally to people like for shipping and the cover price and the shipping cost and I'll sign them for people if they want to join in and I also have a secret Faith Fallon group which is for you know people that I know have bought the book that I'll usually invite them to join in and it's up to them if they want to great if they don't that's great too and you know there you can see like sneak previews of the art you can you know, sometimes I put up like high resolution images that I say you can download and use them for yourself, but please don't sell them. Or if you do sell them and you do better than I do, please let me know and we'll work out something. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's just like, it's just something where people can like see some of the things I'm working on, work in progress, or even other stuff that I might do that's not necessarily awesome. faith found related. Like, you know, sometimes I, you know, look for, I, I see images of pencils on Google of like comic book art and I like to practice my inking on, you know, people that draw a heck of a lot better than I do. Like guys like Neil Adams or John Byrne or some of the old John DeSema or even some of the image guys like Silvestri or Jim Lee, just to see, you know, it, it helps me learn how to ink. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. more traditional. Well, Steve, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to sell that stuff. I'm not trying no, to say. No, yeah, hey, we completely Adam understand. Stewart, I inked it. I, I'm not <laughs> doing that. But no, nope, no, nope. it's just like to me. It's a good exercise to ink somebody else and render somebody else besides myself. Which is why even early in the interview, I said that if I ended up not being a one man show and I worked with somebody, I'd probably prefer being like an inker finisher than an actual penciler. Yeah, gotcha. I mean, well, that's, Steve, that's just me. I just think it would be much more fun. I I get it. I hate to cut you off. We friend. are about to get kicked <laughs> off the air. <laughs> but yes, they're, they're okay. They're well, yeah, you know, wouldn't be the first time I kicked you out. But <laughs> no, I understand that. That's fine. I really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to speak to everybody. And uh, no, thank you, you know, for being uh, on the show. Yeah, we appreciate. Uh, everything and we really enjoyed the, the series and we we're looking forward to seeing what happens with Faith Fallon in the coming issues. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. Believe me, you think you know what's going to happen, you don't know. And <laughs> even uh, I'll, I'll make this quick because I know that we're about to be tossed off. Like one thing, a lot of I know, like the way I wrote issues eleven and twelve, they could almost be reversed. Like eleven could be twelve, twelve could be eleven, and the reason I did that was. Like, my wife and I will binge watch things on Netflix because we barely have time to watch TV with the kids and whatnot. Yeah. My wife loves to go to the last last episode of any given How thing, like she? Homeland or whatever. And then she's always giggling through the entire thing because she knows what no, happened. And I'm like, she's horrible. Why would silent. you do that? Tell me nothing. I, I, I like to have a story play it's... itself out. She wants to know what happened right See, away. No, so I, I wrote the story that way in Faith Down so that 
you know, I, I call it like wife proof. He <laughs> has to read the entire thing. So gotcha. There. Well, you know, thank you. But I want thank people to read the again. entire thing from start to finish. It'll make sense. Things that don't make sense now will make sense. All right. Well, thank you once again. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. Everybody for being on the show. Yes. And thank you for sharing your, your work and your words with us. We really appreciate Everybody, it. Everybody, thank you for listening. Um, if you need to get a hold of him, of course, like you said, Facebook, Insane Comics. Uh, yeah, take Comic a look. conventions yeah. where Insane Comics are. Check it, check it out. All right. So um, in conclusion, Moffgate. Oh, yes. Been- He's been free. Oh, sorry. Wow, that went on way longer than I thought it would, Dave. I, that was that was then breaking into the end. Then <laughs> okay, so Dave captured the moth yes. between his hands, and he couldn't get up because he had he had to hold the moth yes. in his hands. Because we tried, I tried transferring the moth, and it wasn't going to happen. So Megan had to go over and take off his headphones so that so I could that- then get outside. And yeah, and we, he, we freed well, the moth. On, moth gate on. is over. It only happened because I. <laughs> He would have. He would have died. He would have died, Dave. I saw the look in your eyes. You wanted to kill it. It's you wanted a bug. to kill him. I might yeah. kill okay. you, but but he's free. Yay! Uh, and again, thank you so much to Steve Panella for coming on the show. Faith Fallon, check it out. It's uh, definitely it's noir. If you're into drama, if you're into like old Hollywood, you will dig it. Uh, it's very unique, and I feel like it's very different. It, it, it it's going to have an audience, so definitely go check it out. Give it a uh, shot. Why not? For sure. And we enjoy talking to you so much, Steve. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And for this week. I'm Stephanie. I'm Megan. And keep it indie.